Hello everyone and welcome back to Dark Pages from the Old Attic, your favorite horror podcast. Today is episode 4 of our five-part podcast, where we bring a fresh ghost story every other week, straight from this haunted old attic. Haunted? Your words, not mine. Oh yeah, right, right. Um, by the way, if anyone hasn't seen The Woman in Black, I can highly recommend it. You did seem to like it. Is there anything you would change about it though? Of course some minor things, but overall I think it works. Great acting, good structure, spooky build-up, and I always appreciate an unusual ending. The Woman in Black gets the Dark Pages seal of approval. What an honor. Maybe we should have made a podcast about rating horror films. That's a great idea. Well, too late. Instead, we can just watch some more movies together. I'd be up for that. Uh, all right, so today's story, you picked it. What are we in for? Okay, so I chose this one because when I read it, I couldn't imagine it as a movie, since we had a real main character, not just a narrator, and some other stuff. But let's talk about that after the story. What did you call it? Oh, this is simply called House by the Road. I'm not sure this count as a ghost story, per se, but I guess you'll be the judge. It's not something I've told too many people, only my wife and a couple of mates. I think it's just too... strange? Or grisly? Perhaps, but anyway, here it is. Make of it what you want. It happened during my first year in high school, some 20 years ago. Back then, my family lived outside town in a former farmhouse, which meant I had a bit of a walk going to and from school. I would follow this country road for a mile or so until I entered the outer residential areas of the town. The school wasn't far off from there. In summer, it was nice. Watching the crops grow beside the road, the leaves turning dark on the trees. There wasn't a lot of traffic, so usually it was quite peaceful. In autumn, it was less pleasant, with the wind and the rain and all. Jeez, I must have walked that road thousands of times until the day it happened. About halfway between the town and my home, the road made a gentle bend, with fields on one side and an old farmhouse on the other. An overgrown front yard separated the house from the road, and tall trees and shrubberies rose up behind it. It had wattle and daub walls, which had been whitewashed at some point and probably looked nice, but I only remember it as worn down with its sagging, thatched roof full of moss and small plants. As far as I remember, the windows were intact, but too dirty to look through, and one was covered by a yellowing knitted curtain anyway. So, not a nice place, but I guess it could have been inhabited, for all I know though I never saw anyone enter or leave. There wasn't a mailbox, just a rickety fence overgrown with vines and grass. A place the world had forgotten. The last feature of note was a tree in the front yard. It must have been struck by lightning once, because its bark was dark almost to the point of black, and there were never any leaves on its dead branches for as long as I remember. The way the trunk split about halfway up made it look a bit like an upright hand, 
Or perhaps one of those rakes you use for leaves, the fan-like ones, and years of prevailing winds had bent it slightly towards the road. It always gave the tree a white bath, at first because it scared me as a child. My brother had told me, one day as we were walking past it, how the former inhabitant of the house had been outdoor on a stormy night. He said, they had stood under the tree when the lightning struck, killing them all in a heartbeat. He even said you could still see the bones in the tall grass if the wind was right. I never dared to check. Years later, I still kept my distance, now out of habit. I'm glad I did. The day it happened, I was walking to school to meet up with some classmates. It was one of the first days of the summer holidays. The sun was out and the countryside basked in the glow of the early summer. When I came to the bend of the road, I moved to the far left side without a thought, and I hardly glanced at the old house. It was where it has always been, and probably would be, the next time I passed by. I was perhaps 50 feet away from the house when another pedestrian came into view around the bend. He looked like a guy in his 30s, in bright green shorts and blue flip-floppers, walking a tiny dog that constantly tried to pull ahead. I glanced at him. He glanced back and drew on his cigarette. And that was about the extent of our interaction. By chance, he would reach the house first. And maybe my memory has pulled a trick on me. But it seemed the sun had faded at this point, as if the cloud had obscured it. Perhaps it had. And then it happened. It's difficult to describe exactly what transpired. There wasn't much sound. It was almost a blink-and-you-miss-it thing. One moment, the guy was walking in my direction. The next, I caught movement in front of the house. At first, I thought it was simply the wind making the black tree sway towards the road, though I didn't feel it. As I said, it was a calm day. But then, the tree just kept moving over and down towards the road. It was like the old rotten roots had suddenly given up and it was falling over. But it wasn't really falling. It was bending. Bending down towards the guy with his dog. And it was so quiet. No groaning or snapping or crashing. Just a slightest sigh as the narrow branches began reaching for the guy. I think it was too late at this point. But he didn't even look up for another couple of seconds. And then the branches were already wrapping around him. He didn't make a sound as he was lifted off the road. Maybe he was too shocked, or perhaps I remember it wrong. I was nailed to the spot. My only thoughts were that this was impossible, but my eyes kept proving me wrong. I just watched as the guy was lifted over the old fence, his feet dangling beneath him. When the front door of the house swung quietly open, he began kicking and squirming dropping one of his blue flip-flops on the overgrown gravel path. All I could see through the open doorway was a dark hallway, with red wallpaper peeling off the walls, exposing a strangely glistening surface underneath. Suddenly, the tree picked up a malevolent speed, and the guy yielded as he was flung towards the door. Barely had he made it past the threshold before the door slid shut behind him, with an almost leisurely smoothness. And with a rustle, the tree pulled back again, 
straightening up until it was back to its usual foreboding pose. I blinked and waited, expecting the door to fly open any time and the guy speeding out of that creepy house. But nothing happened. The door remained shut and there was no sign of him through the windows. No motion beyond those grimy panes. No knocking or crying for help. Just nothing. If it wasn't for the dog now yapping away at a safe distance from the other side of the road, I could have believed it had never happened at all. But it had, and with a growing sickness in my stomach, I realized I had to do something. It took another eternity before I could move my feet. One dragging step, then another as I began moving down the road towards the house again. I had walked by this place hundreds, if not thousands of times. Yet, only now I notice how tall the tree seemed to loom, how crooked its limbs bent over the road. Like the dog, I stuck to the far side of the road until I was past the tree. Then, with my eyes starting between the black tree and the house, I made my way across the road to the rotting fence. I wasn't sure if I could take the weight of me vaulting over it, so I stepped back to get a run for the jump. I inhaled deeply, stealing myself, and tried to focus on the fence, but all the time the black tree loomed in the corner of my eyes. Another deep breath, then another, and suddenly I found myself running towards the fence, leaping and clearing it before descending into the tall grass of the overgrown front yard. I landed on something thin, snapping beneath my weight, and immediately jumped again with a yelp. My blood rushed in my ears to the beat of my pounding heart, but when I parted the grass, I found only an old branch with a fresh break in the middle. The dog had gone quiet and looked hopefully towards me. And looking back at it, I had a cold realization that I was looking out at it from inside the yard. Never in the wildest moment of my childhood had I dared to set foot here. With a sudden panic, I looked over, but the tree hadn't moved. And neither did I for some time. For now, I thought I was out of its reach. But that would change if I went for the door. Instead of mustering my courage to do so, I decided to start by going to the window first away from the tree. Inching my way through the tall grass, I made it to the house. A quick peek through the dirty glass revealed nothing but moth-eaten curtains and the bulking and bending floorboards just below the window. Everything else was hidden in the darkness. Gingerly, I knocked on the pane. Lightly at first, but then, when nothing happened, I rasped on it louder. Nothing changed. I looked over my shoulder at the dog, still looking at me and waiting for me to save its master, and I felt my mouth go dry. The door was only a few feet away, but the tree, yet unmoving, wasn't much further away. I decided speed was the key. With both eyes locked on the tree, I leaped towards the door, blindly grabbing the handle, and to my surprise, the door yielded to my push. Damp air touched my cheek, and I involuntarily turned my head away from the tree towards the dark hallway in front of me. I recognized the peeled wallpaper on the warped floorboards, but there was no sign of the guy. My eyes darted around the place before looking back at the tree again. Still hadn't moved. Maybe it felt it didn't have to. It could wait where it was with its slender branches swaying away in the breeze. Again, I turned to the door, and after a deep breath and a long, miserable sigh, I stepped inside. 
one foot first, carefully touching the floor. I half expected it to sink through the cracked boards, but the old wood held firm and I moved inside entirely, keeping one hand on the door handle at all time. The hall stretched ahead of me, disappearing into darkness further off than what I thought was possible for such a tiny house. Both to my right and left were open doors, leading into the rooms with the windows facing the yard. In one of them I could just make out an old table hiding in the gloom, but still there was no sign of the guy. I called out, startling myself with the loudness of my voice. Silence was all the answer I got. I tried again, but to no avail. Behind me the dog barked, making me spin around, but still the tree was unmoving. I felt like running, but he had to be in here somewhere, right? Maybe he had knocked his head and fallen over in one of the rooms, lying in need of help just outside my line of sight. I had come this far, only a few more steps and my conscience could at least be clean, but that meant letting go of the door handle. It would only be for a short moment and I wouldn't move too far away from the door. Still. I couldn't help thinking of how the door had shut after the guy, so ruthlessly smooth, and my reluctance was nearly insurmountable. Eventually I managed to pry my fingers off the grimy brass and I stepped towards the room I hadn't looked probably inside yet. The one with the table. The floor sighed as I shifted my weight away from the front door and each step brought more of that adjacent room into view. I made it to the door frame and could now see the windows from the inside along with the broken chair right next to the door. But nothing living, nor dead. Just a dusty and damp gloom. I took another step just to be sure, but it only revealed a cluster of cobwebs in a corner. Through the window I could see the dog barking, but strangely I couldn't hear it. Its jaw opened and closed in silent yaps as if someone had muted the sound. Then I felt a draft and turned to watch in horror as the front door swung silently on its hinges. For a heart-stopping moment, I could do nothing but stare in disbelief. But as the light from the outside grew slimmer and slimmer, I shook myself from my stupor. I lunged forward, yamming my arm between the door and the frame, but it pressed on me if trying to gnaw my limp off. It crushed painfully on my bones and I felt warm blood run down my skin. With my one free hand, I yanked at the handle, feeling an immense strength resisting my effort. It didn't budge, but then I felt this clear-headedness settle on me. The pain in my arm drained away and I realized I could get my knee in the door as well and press with my legs too. It was just enough to release my arm and I squeezed through the gap, landing on the gravel outside hands first. Blood ran down my left forearm from a gash filled with splinters, but I didn't feel it. A cold draft swept up my back and my legs kicked me off to a stumbling sprint down the path towards the road. I heard a shimmer above me and I threw myself through the front gate, landing hard on my shoulder on the warm tarmac. I rolled over and kept rolling until I fell into the ditch next to the dog on the other side of the road, and there I stayed. I could hear the rustling branches scraping on the tarmac above me, and any second I expected roots to burst from the ground around me and drag me down with them. But eventually the sound subsided and I stayed put, unmoving. 
Suddenly, the blue flip-flop came tumbling into the ditch at me. It landed on my chest. I'm not sure how long I waited. At some point, my mates texted me and asked where I was. I think I should have called for help or something. But what would I say? I still don't know. In the end, I just clambered out of the ditch, grabbed the dog and ran. And when I saw the missing person notice, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't want to send people towards that house. Perhaps I'm a coward and a terrible person, but I'm alive. And that's my story. So, no ghosts today? No, no. Unless you count the whole house as a ghost. So, a house died tragically and is now eating people? (laughs) I don't think a house can die, but maybe some people in it did. And the people lived there so long they became the house? Mm, Maybe not lived, but perhaps they died in the house and became part of it. Mm, Who knows? I think we need an expert at ghosts to know for sure. (gasps) Who are you going to call? It's interesting that the story takes place in Denmark. We could probably find this place and visit it if we wanted to. (gasps) Oh yes! Field trip! Love the idea! Would be fun. Um, But we already have a story for the last episode. Oh man, it's been four episodes already. Mm. How about a bonus episode then? Mm, We could consider that. Alright, I think we'll end here. We hope you enjoyed the fourth story in the dark pages from the old attic. In two weeks, we'll be back with the fifth and final episode. Unless we do a bonus episode. Yes, that may be a thing. We'll see. Until then, take care out there. Have a spooky week and stay away from creepy old houses. But isn't this house creepy and old? Old? But not that creepy, I would say. Besides, I don't think that many people died in this house. Today's episode of Dark Pages from the Old Attic was written and voiced by Zoe and Vicky Servine. We release a new episode every other Friday, and you can head over to our Instagram at Dark Pages Podcast for updates, teasers, and illustrations for each episode. If you wish to support us, give us a rating and review on the platform you're listening to the podcast. And don't let your friends miss out on the spooky times. You can contact us on Instagram or by email at darkpagespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you in the next episode.